Father, we thank you so much for everything that you've done. And Father, we come expecting. Father God, we thank you, Lord God, that you have appointed this moment, this hour, for this particular purpose, to bring this particular word, Father God, to us. And so, Father, we come ready to receive with an open heart and a ready mind. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the Holy Ghost to translate your word and speak into a heart, Lord God, right where we are, right where we live. And, Lord God, we thank you for ministering to us your word to minister life, power, deliverance, salvation, whatever the need is tonight, Father God. I thank you that you meet it through your word and by the power of your Holy Spirit. And for this, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, let me start out by just sharing a story, as I always like to do. There was a lady who was walking her dog. And the dog was trying to get away from the leash. You know how some dogs like to just be free and be independent. But every time the dog pulled away, the lady would yank it, pulling back the dog. And so the dog continued to do that. And the lady kept continuing yanking the dog. Because you see, the dog couldn't get free because that's what he wanted to do. So he couldn't get free because he was held hostage by the leash. That dog was kept bound. He was unable to break away because he couldn't break the chain. There are many Christians today who are being held hostage by a leash. And there are many links to that chain. There's a link of anger. There's a link of resentment. There are links of bitterness. And there's a link of revenge. But no matter how many links there are, it all boils down to one thing, unforgiveness. And tonight I want to talk to you about this very important message on putting away unforgiveness. And it's interesting how the Bible has a lot to say about that. Because I believe that unforgiveness is one of the biggest hindrances in a Christian's life. And tonight we're going to take a look at the seriousness of unforgiveness. We're also going to look at why is it so hard for Christians to forgive? Why is it such a struggle for so many of us to forgive? And then we're going to take a look at how to forgive. It is my prayer that as we look to the Word of God and study on unforgiveness, that the Spirit of God will begin to identify and find you out and point to you where you are as far as unforgiveness is concerned. And then once he identifies it, that you will acknowledge it, bring it before God, and realize the seriousness of it before we can put it away. Because that's our goal. We want nothing to hinder God from doing what he needs to do in our lives. So if the Holy Ghost identifies it in your life, don't run away from it, don't shy away from it, but receive it, acknowledge it. Because once you've done that, that's the first step to overcoming unforgiveness. Amen? So let's go to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Let's begin there. Hebrews chapter 12. There's hardly a person in the world who doesn't carry some scars because of some hurts that they've incurred over the years. But the Bible provides a solution for a heart that's been broken or hurt a relationship that has been betrayed, trust that has been violated, 
reputation that had been slandered. That solution is forgiveness. In the New Testament, the Bible, there's a, uh, the word forgive is mentioned in the Bible in the New Testament 140 times. And the word often means to let it go or to dismiss. So it's interesting, but we'll talk a little bit about that later. But Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says this. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside or put away every weight and the sin which so easily ensnare us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, I want to read that to you from the Amplified Version. It says it like this. Therefore, then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have become born testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily, deftly, and clearly clings to and entangles us, and let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. When I look at unforgiveness, I see it as a weight, a hindrance that is keeping us from running the appointed course that God has placed us. Every one of us is running in that same course. But so many of us are carrying heavy weights, unnecessary weights, the Bible says, and even sin that prevents us from running that race steadily, consistently, and persistently. Because what the devil wants to do is slow us down. If he can't stop us, he's going to try to slow us down. Because he doesn't want us to get to our destination. And sometimes he'll throw these hindrances, such as unforgiveness, which is a huge hindrance, that prevents us from running this race. I also look at this as a sin, because that's what unforgiveness is. It's a sin. And again, we'll talk about that a little later. But I want you to go to Matthew chapter 18, and probably the best example of unforgiveness is the story of the unforgiving servant. So Matthew chapter 18, if you go there, <coughs> beginning in verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Then Jesus says to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. In other words, what Jesus was trying to say to Peter was forgiveness is unlimited. You can't limit forgiveness. Verse 23 says this. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, 10,000 talents is the equivalent of $16 million. Imagine owing $16 million to someone. It would take several lifetimes to pay that off. But he owed $16 million or 10,000 talents. And in verse 25 says, but as he was not able to pay, and I'm not surprised he was not able to, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. And then the servant fell before, uh, before him and saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, 
two important words here. Released him and forgave him the debt. Imagine your mortgage company calling you up and telling you, sir, ma'am, you don't need to pay your mortgage anymore. We forgive you and release you of all debt. Wouldn't that be wonderful? To be released from the debt of our mortgage, never having to pay it again, and being set free from that. that that's wonderful. Well, that's what this man received. He was released and forgiven of $16 million. Then in verse 28, this is what I want you to see. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, if someone told you that you've been relieved of $16 million, the first thing I would do is run home and tell my wife. And we'll all be celebrating and calling all our friends and everything else and celebrating. No, what this guy did, he went to look for someone who owed him a hundred denarii, which is equivalent to $20. And he found him, and the Bible said that he laid hands on him, not to heal him, but to choke him. It says here, uh, but that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and laid his hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. And so his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. The very same words that he used to the king. But not the same result, because in verse 30 he says, And he would not. But it went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. Now it's one thing to be sold into slavery, but it's another thing to be thrown into prison, which is far worse. Then it goes on in verse 31. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called them, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And in verse 34 it says, And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. And this is the verse I want you to see. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Very serious statement here. He's not saying that God's going to throw you into prison and throw you to the torturers, but understand that Jesus told this parable to illustrate this point. In the beginning, Peter says, how often do I forgive my brethren? Seven times? And Jesus says, you forgive them as long as it takes. But the danger here is that when you don't forgive, God is simply saying that God cannot forgive you. If God had extended forgiveness and mercy to each one of us who had a huge debt to pay that you and I could not pay. But God had released us and forgiven us of all debt from sin. Should not we also extend the same mercy and forgiveness to others? And that's what the king had asked the servant. And understand that the servant simply 
was reaping what he sowed. Galatians 6, 7 said, Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he reap. And what's amazing is how this king was able to keep in mind, he was owed $16 million. That's a lot of money. But he was willing to take the loss for the sake of forgiving that servant. In the same way, God took a loss to forgive us. That was his son. Forgiveness, it costs to forgive. And it costs his son. But it was well worth the cost. And so you see, the parable is telling us two things. Number one, the importance of forgiveness. And how gracious God is and has been to us. Forgiving us of all of our debts. Not holding anything against us. But it also tells us the second thing. The seriousness of unforgiveness. The danger of unforgiveness. It is interesting that unforgiveness is actually classified in the medical books as a disease. Isn't that interesting? According to one of the chief of surgery at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America, said this, refusing to forgive makes people sick and helps them stay there. It's, that's amazing. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. It's interesting also that because unforgiveness is classified as a disease in medical books, that then now what they're doing is what they call forgiveness therapy. Believe that. Forgiveness therapy, why? Because it's being used to help treat diseases such as cancer. And it was said that of all the cancer patients, 61% have forgiveness issues. Imagine that. And of the, those 61% that had forgiveness issues, more than half was considered severe. So basically what it's saying here is that serious disease can develop when a person, as a result of stress, pressure, resentment, bitterness, and unforgiveness. My point here is this. The seriousness of, of unforgiveness can open the doors to all kinds of things. And unforgiveness can affect us in every area of our lives, physically, mentally, emotionally, as well as spiritually. And we don't realize that. But in Hebrews chapter 12, one of the things that unforgiveness does, it opens the door to bitterness. Look at what Hebrews 12, 14 says. Pursue peace with what? All people. That includes the people you don't like and the people that you do like. The people that hate you and the people that don't hate you. And also pursue holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Let me read that to you from the Amplified Version. It says, exercise in the 15th verse, exercise foresight and be on the watch to look after one another, to see that no one falls back from and fails to secure God's grace, his unmerited favor and spiritual blessing. In order that no root of resentment, rancor, bitterness or hatred 
shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment, and the many become contaminated and defiled by it. Unforgiveness can lead to bitterness in such a way that can open the door for trouble and also bitter torment. And again, I'm simply telling you the seriousness of unforgiveness as the scripture tells us. Another thing that unforgiveness opens the door to is found in Ephesians chapter 4. Why don't we go there? Well, actually, Ephesians chapter 4, Paul sort of reiterates what was mentioned in Hebrews chapter 12 about warning them about bitterness. And he simply thought it was important enough to warn the church at Ephesus about that. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31 says this, that all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be what? Put away from you with all malice. And instead, he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Colossians 3, 9, be careful also for you married couples. We were warned to be careful that the root of bitterness does not bring forth or come forth into your life, causing trouble and bitter torment. As married couples, we need to be careful of that as well. Look at what Colossians 3.19 says. It says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Unforgiveness can open the doors to bitterness. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Unforgiveness also will leave doors open for the devil to come in and cause some issues. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. And I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. Understand, let me just see a little background here. Paul, in his first letter, wrote to the Corinthian church and began to deal with so many issues in the church. And in his letter, the language and how he wrote it was as if he was writing it in anger. Because he was trying to correct some of the leaders who was allowing some things that were going on in that church. And one of the things was how one man was having an affair or committing adultery with his stepmom. And he was really angry because they were not doing anything about it. And so he told them, listen, you've got to address this. Excommunicate, apply some sort of discipline, but you cannot let this go. But in the second letter to the Corinthian church, he had a change of heart. Beginning in verse 5, he says this, I'm not overstating if when I say that the man who I was referring to well, who caused all the trouble hurt all of you more than he hurt me. Most of you opposed him, and that was punishment enough. Now, however, it is time to forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, he may overcome by discouragement. Verse 8 says, So I urge you now to reaffirm your love for him. I wrote to you as I did to test you and see if you would fully comply with my instructions. When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit. Verse 11, so that who? Satan will not outsmart or take advantage of us, for we are familiar or not ignorant of his evil schemes or devices. Unforgiveness can not only open the door for bitterness, but it can also open the door for the devil to come in. 
The scriptures tell us very clearly in Ephesians 4.27, give no place to the devil. And we don't want to give him any reason to come in and mess up with our lives and hinder us from receiving what God has. Go to Matthew chapter 6. If we don't forgive, not only is it disobedience to God's word, but our Father will not forgive us. Now, I want you to think about that. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14, look at what it says. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Have you ever caused harm or hurt to somebody and you're really sorry about it and you... Doing, and you're trying to do everything you can to try to make things right with that person. You apologize about a thousand times. You've asked for forgiveness. You try to do whatever you can to try to make it up. And the person refused to receive you. Do you know how that feels? So you're walking around carrying this guilt over your head. I read a story about a young man who had heard that his father was dying. Now he had been estranged from his father for many, many years. And he got word that his father was dying, that his father wanted for him to come to see him because he wanted to make things right with his son. And the son made this statement. He says this, why should I go and see him after he neglected us for so many years? And now he wants me to come because he's dying. And of course, the result was he didn't go. So the father eventually passed away, but he passed away with a heavy burden of guilt because he wanted to be received and forgiven. He wanted to be released. Well, if we don't forgive others, that's what happens as well. There are many of us who may have hurt or offended someone and they're looking to ask for your forgiveness. And some of us refuse to because we're angry, we're hurt, or we feel betrayed. And all that person wants is for forgiveness. And it's up to you to not only forgive that person, but release that person. So that person can walk around with that guilt over their heads. And they can move on with their lives. If you don't forgive others, God can't forgive you. So what does that mean? That means that we stand among the midst of unforgiving. Think about that. In Mark chapter 11, verse 25, unforgiveness can hinder our prayer life. It's interesting, Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive it and you shall have it. Then he says in verse 25, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. The New Living Translation says it like this. But when you are praying, first forgive. So before you go before God in prayer, if there's anything in your heart towards someone, you need to take care of that first. Now, unforgiveness can be very subtle. Let's say, for instance, you were on your way to prayer on Tuesday night. And as you're driving along, singing praises to the Lord... This car comes around out of nowhere and cuts you off and almost runs you off the road. When the midst of your praise turns into rage, 
and anger. And words start spewing out of your mouth that should not be spewing out of your mouth as a believer. And you get all shook up and then you finally get controlled and then you drive to church and you're 10 minutes early. And you see some of the brothers and sisters and you begin to tell them what had happened. And what you're doing is you're rehashing the anger and the resentment that you felt when you was being almost run off the road. And then it's time to pray. How can you pray when you still have that in your heart? See, that person has ought against that individual that almost ran him off the road. Because he came and still talked about it and was angry about it as he was talking, sharing with his friends. And then he went to prayer. Not realizing that God cannot hear a prayer when your heart is filled with unforgiveness. Unforgiveness can hinder your prayer life. Now, why is it so difficult for Christians to forgive? You ever wonder about that? You ever ask yourself that question? Why is it so hard for us to forgive? Well, let me give you a list of things. From my own personal experience, and maybe it may sound familiar to some of you. One of the reasons why it's so difficult to forgive is because some of us feel that the offender should suffer some sort of consequences for what he or she did. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you're hurt. You've been suffering because of what this person did and this person walking around like nothing's going on and seems to be enjoying life and everything seems to be... And, and you know, you're upset. You know, this person should be suffering like me. That's one reason why it's so difficult to forgive. Another reason is <laughs> for some of us it's hard to forgive because we feel that by forgiving them we're letting them off the hook. I says, man, this guy's getting away scot-free with no repercussions, no punishment, nothing. After what they did to me? Here's another one. Many of us just don't want to forgive because it's easier to just be angry with that person rather than forgiving that person. You know, you choose to want to stay angry. It doesn't matter how many times that person tries to reach out to you ask for forgiveness I said no it just feels good I want to stay see it's their way of trying to, to cause pain and retaliation towards them but let me ask you this question who exactly are you doing damage to yourself you know understand this God is going to deal with that person whether you forgive them or not because the Bible says whatsoever man sows that shall he also reap so you can't be worrying about that. What you need to be thinking about is where you are. So there's just some people that just don't want to just downright refuse to forgive. Because it just feels good to be angry. Many of us will not forgive because they are so full of hate and bitterness that they can't even see themselves forgiving or having any type of peace or relationship with that individual because they're so filled with so much resentment. You know, have you ever met somebody who is so full of hate and resentment 
that every time you're around them, all they do is talk negative. They're bitter, always angry, never have anything good to say about anybody. That's a person who's been hurt. Another reason why it's so difficult for many of us to forgive is because many harbor very strong resentful feelings. You know what that's like. Somebody said something, somebody does something to you. You know, and I'm sure that every one of us have been hurt at one point or the other, have been disappointed, have been betrayed at some point. And we know what it feels like to be hurt. We know what it feels like to be betrayed. And the natural response is anger and retaliation. Yes, I understand that. That's just all natural feelings. But at some point, we need to get a hold of ourselves and realize, I can't live like this. Because unforgiveness is going to open up a whole lot of unnecessary doors that I do not want to open and things that are going to come into my life that I don't want in my life. And then there are those who have a hard time forgiving because they're afraid to trust anyone anymore. Because of afraid that they might get hurt again. So they shut the doors, they shut out their lives, they put walls around them. And they only go halfway so far with you, but then they shut the door and put up the walls. So these are just some examples of why many Christians have a hard time forgiving. And perhaps maybe some of you know that, and perhaps maybe some of you experience this or are still experiencing this. But as I tell you, but as I mentioned before, the, the lack of forgiveness will only do harm to you and not to the offender. So I want you to keep that in mind. Let's go to Genesis chapter 50. Here's a story about someone who, if there was anybody who had a right to pay back and retaliate is Joseph. Because you know the story. His brothers hated him. His brother ruined their, his life, took away his life, took away his youth by selling him to slavery. And you know what he went through? Served as a slave, as an inmate. But God somehow worked all that all around for him to the point where now he became the second most powerful person in Egypt. But still the fact is that your own brothers, your own siblings would do that to you. Out of jealousy, out of resentment, out of hate, out of anger. And completely ruined your life. Took your whole life away. And in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 15. And you know the story at the end where Joseph reconciled with his brothers and all of his family. Brings all of his family back to Egypt and sets them up in a nice place to live. And, and they live happily ever after until the father passed away. We pick up in verse 15 where it says this. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead. They said. Perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. And so they sent messengers to Joseph saying, Before your father died, he commanded saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespasses of your brothers and their sin. For they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespasses of the servants of the God of your father. And the Bible says, and Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, behold, we are your servants. And then Joseph said, do not be afraid. 
For I am in the, for, am I in the place of God? In other words, am I in a position to judge you? Joseph took his brothers, embraced him, and forgave them. And released him from all guilt. Because he recognized that he's not God, therefore he cannot pass judgment upon his brothers. Even though they deserved to be punished for what they've done. And even though Joseph was in a position of authority to be able to do whatever he wanted to his brothers. But he chose not to. It's a beautiful ending of the story of forgiveness. But there are so many people who are carrying this burden in their hearts. And they're still looking for ways to retaliate. And you know how sometimes when somebody does something to us that hurts us. We begin to imagine ways to retaliate. Even though we may not fully intentionally want to do it or will do it. But the fact is you're playing it over your mind. You're just as guilty as retaliation. Retaliation in your thoughts. I remember when I was being hurt and being mistreated. And you know, I felt there was an injustice there because I didn't do anything wrong. And I know what it felt like, and I, I know how angry I was. And I remember how I used to play in my mind ways to get back at this person. Some awful things. But you know, God had to deal with me with that. Because I could not continue to think and to feel that way because it was hurting me. And I was feeling the burden. So I had to stop that. Because it was unforgiveness. And I was feeling resentful and bitter towards this individual. But I thank God that he delivered me from that. Look at what 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 15 says about retaliation. 5.15, 1 Thessalonians says this. See that no one renders or pays back evil for evil to anyone. But always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. You know, it's, it's human nature to want to retaliate when someone does something to you or says something to you. But the Bible says don't render evil with evil, but rather pursue what is good for both yourselves and for all. Romans 12 verse 17 says this, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now, let's talk about how to forgive. Three simple, basic, practical steps that I think that if you follow those steps, you'll be able to conquer unforgiveness. Understand, though, that this is a process, not something that comes overnight. One of the first things, most important thing to this road of forgiveness is to decide to forgive. If you wait around to feel like you want to forgive them, you're never going to forgive them. Because forgiveness is not an emotion. It's a decision. So you've got to acknowledge the fact, okay, I have unforgiveness in my heart. But I'm going to make a conscious decision 
to step out in faith and forgive. Okay, that's the first step. And keep in mind, too, when God is calling you to forgive that individual, you may think in your mind that this individual is undeserving of forgiveness. And you're going to feel that way. That's why you don't forgive the person. But you know what? Deserving has nothing to do with it. Do you deserve to be saved? Do we deserve the grace and the mercy that God has bestowed upon us? No. But yet God did it. It was a decision that he made. And so we need to make that first step. Forgiveness is forgiven even if it's undeserving. Keep in mind, remember going back to Matthew chapter 18. When Jesus talked about the parable of the king and the unforgiving servant. The most remarkable thing is the demonstration of the king. How he brought this servant and was expected to receive $16 million that he owed, that the servant owed him. And when the servant says, I don't have it. He was about to sell him, his wife and his children and everything he had in order to get that money back. Because $16 million is $16 million. That's a lot of money. That's a huge loss. So I'm going to get as much as I can get back. But the king chose to be merciful and compassionate and release him from all debt. That was a choice that the king made. He didn't have to make it. He was in a position to punish this guy. As a matter of fact, according to the law of Moses, there were serious consequences when you don't pay the lender. And so the lender can either put your family work, throw you into prison, can do whatever he wanted to do. But the king decided not to because he chose to rather show mercy and forgiveness and released him and forgave him of all debts. It was a choice. When we forgive, we are to make that decision to forgive. For instance, in order to decide to forgive, these are the things that we need to do. We need to make a decision to stop blaming the person who has hurt you. Stop the blame game. Decide to stop doing that altogether. It is a decision to give up the power and the desire to punish or to retaliate. It's a decision to stop thinking about ways to getting back at the person. Decide not to think about what you want to do to that person. It's a decision. Forgiveness is a decision to release, which means fully freeing a person from a debt or an offense that is made against you. Now, keep in mind, I understand how difficult this is. It's probably one of the most difficult things for a Christian to do. But understand also that God understands that it's also difficult for you. But the first step is to decide to forgive and then begin to start deciding. Stop blaming that person for what they've done. Give up the power and desire to want to retaliate and find ways to get back at that person. Decide to release that person freely from all debt or from any offense that they made against you. Also forgive this person by making a decision to obey God. 
to forgive that person, which will eventually lead to peace and freedom from anger. And then forgiveness is also a decision to stop talking about the offense and the offender. How often we get together and we talk about the things that have been done to us and by the person who's done it. You know what you're doing? And there are people that do this. They'll talk, tell everybody of the offense that was, that was caused to them and the offender. And what they're doing is simply rallying everybody around them so that they all can be against that one individual. That's one form of retaliation. Well, make the decision to stop talking about the offense and about the offender. It's a decision. Make a conscious decision to stop doing all of those things. Look at what Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31 says. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. Proverbs 17 verse 9. Look in the Amplified Version. Can you put the Amplified Version? He who covers and forgives an offense seeks love. But he who repeats or harps on a matter separates even close friends. You ever been around people that are constantly talking about their woes to the point where you don't even want to be around them anymore? Because all they do is talk about negativity. A person like that separates themselves from their friends or actually the friends separate themselves from her or from them. So make a quality decision to begin to make an attempt to forgive and stop doing all of these other things. And I believe that when you make that step, God will begin to eventually heal the wounds that have been caused you. The second step, depend on the Holy Ghost. Go to John 14. You cannot forgive someone without the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. You just can't do it. It's too hard for us to do it alone. This is a journey, a road that we cannot travel by ourselves. We need the help and the enablement of the Holy Spirit. When you take that step to decide to forgive, God will give you the grace to help you walk this journey to forgiveness. And in the process of doing that, he'll also begin to heal your wounds. Because before you know it, as you're walking this journey, making that decision, and then relying on the Holy Ghost to empower you and to help you, you're going to find that the more you think about that person, the less painful it is. When you start thinking about the th things that have been done to you, the less painful it becomes. And you begin to realize, wow, you know, this, this doesn't bother me anymore. The animosity, the resentment begins to grow away. I can, I can tell you I testified to that because it happened to me. And I've seen how amazing God was, how he took away that animosity, that resentful feelings that I had towards this individual. Because I made a decision to forgive as difficult as it was and as challenging as it was. But I also relied on the Holy Ghost to help me because I couldn't have done it without him. John 14 verse 26 says this, But the helper... I love that word right there, the helper. <clears throat> that says it all. Because that's what he does. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he says, he will teach you all things, especially when it comes to forgiving. And bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Philippians chapter 2, go there 
And we want to read that to you in the Amplified Version. Again, depending on the Holy Ghost, not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and the desire, both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. So when we make that decision and rely on the Holy Ghost, that power that is in us will help us and get us to a place. Look, it says energizing and creating in us the power and the desire to carry this out. That supernatural power that is in us will cause us to walk this journey of forgiveness and help us to overcome these unforgiving feelings and to be able to resist the devil from from replaying and rehashing all the hurts that have taken place in your life. It's a process. But God, grace, you know, the Bible says that we were saved by grace. But also God has given us grace in us to empower us, to enable us, and to be everything that he intends for us to be. We can't do it alone. Then the final thing, the last thing, first thing is make that step by making a decision to forgive. Say, Lord, I know that I have unforgiving heart. Lord, I know that I have animosity toward this person. But Lord, I'm making a conscious decision today to forgive and Lord, I'm going to help, please help me with the Holy Ghost. I'm going to rely on your Holy Spirit to help me, to enable me, to help me walk this journey until it doesn't hurt anymore, until it's no longer painful. The third and final thing is to simply obey God and his word. Go to Matthew chapter 5. The word tells us several things that we're to do concerning forgiving especially those who did us harm. And I have to tell you that one of the things that has really helped me in my journey of forgiveness was this particular verse right here. Matthew 5, verse 43 says this, You have heard that if it, it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies or love the person that hurts you. Or love the person that betrayed you. Or love that person that slandered you. Or love that person that treated you unfairly. Or love that person that passed you over in your job. Or love that person that hates you. He says, love them. He says, bless them. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who despitefully use and persecute you. Do you know how many times I had to rest on this verse? And how I had to apply it? And as hard as it was, I stuck by it. And I remember times when I would get a phone call. And I already know who that phone call was from. And I'm already getting tense. And I'm already getting ready for a fight. But then the Holy Ghost takes a hold of me and says, bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. And when I pick up that phone, all I hear is a lot of screaming and cursing. And I'm just listening. Not reacting, not responding, 
I says, I will pray for you. Okay, I'll pray for you. And of course, the more I said that, the more angrier the other party was. And the more cursing that came out. And you know what? I continue to do that. And the more I did that, the more effective it became. And of course, several years later, that same individual called me and asked for forgiveness. And we reconciled. Only God could do that. But I realized when I, I realized I could not continue fighting, so I had to let it go. And that's what forgiveness means, letting it go, dismissing it, and then just resting in God and simply obey his word. Look at what Romans 12, 14 says. Bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse. The word bless means to speak well of. Speak well of those who persecute you. Speak well of those that hate you. Speak well of those that talk bad about you. Speak well of those that spread bad rumors about you. Speak well of them. And he says, and curse not. The word curse means to speak evil. And don't speak evil of that individual. Listen, God has given us and put us in a place to succeed. He's given us his spirit. We have his grace. We have his presence. And we can do this. If we make it a point to make a decision to forgive. And then begin the process by relying on the Holy Ghost. And then just simply obey God. Just trust God. And begin to do what he says to do. And I guarantee you that the pain, the animosity, the unforgiveness, the resentment, the bitterness will leave. And you'll be a new person. And you know what? You'll be a healthy person too. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Yes. I've been wrestling with whether to do this. Don't, stay here. Okay. But this is just strong in my spirit. This is not just a good message. This is not just another good teaching of something we need to hear. I, there's a sense in my spirit of urgency for somebody here tonight. Because right. this issue is not just getting things right in my life. It can be an issue of life and death. Because unforgiveness is an open door into your life by Satan. And there's just a, there's a, there's a something strong in my spirit tonight. Amen. To not, this is a, a great teaching. But don't leave here thinking, I heard a good teaching on unforgiveness. God's speaking to somebody tonight. And, and I've had to wrestle with this. I'm a, I forgive very easily, but there can be depths of, of resentment down in your heart you don't know you still had. And this last winter, we were on vacation, and we happened to see a, a John Bevere on a program talking about what he went through to forgive somebody that hurt him. And I had to deal with an issue, somebody in my own life I thought I'd forgiven. And when he described that issue, when you hear somebody's name and you get this twinge inside of you, it's not all gone. And I realized there was some work I still had to do. Amen. And when I did it, it opened the door to things in my life. I just I, I checked with Pastor Ray. If you're struggling with this issue, this issue, the greatest book I've ever read on this is by John Bevere, The Bait of Satan, because mm. it will get right down to the core of things. We yeah. may have some in the bookstore. If not, we can order them. But there's just an urgency in my spirit for somebody tonight 
Don't just gloss this off and say, well, I've done this. If there's a twinge inside of you towards somebody, there's still a root of that in there, and you need to deal with it because Satan still has a hold of an area of your heart. And there may be something that's coming up in your life where it's critical that you hear this message and not and act on this message. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Amen. But before I pray, let me just give you one final instruction. When you go home tonight, have a long talk with God. Ask Him to identify in you if there's any unforgiveness in your heart, because sometimes it can be very subtle. But ask Him. And if you really want Him to show you, He'll show it to you. Then once He shows it to you, then you've got to give it to Him. And then take those three steps. Amen? Would you do that? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you for speaking into our hearts tonight. Thank you, Father, for meeting us right where we are, right where we live. And Father, we thank you, Father. We take this message, Father God, as an encouragement, Father God, as your way of saying, I want to help you. I want to get you to another place. I want to bring you to out of that situation. And so, Father, we receive all that you've said tonight, and we thank you for it. And we give you all the glory and all the praise in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you for those who are struggling with unforgiveness tonight. We thank you, Father, that you've spoken to them. And Lord, that you begin to do a mighty work in their lives as they acknowledge it. And Lord, that they come to you and begin to take those steps and make a decision starting today. And Lord, for this, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.